Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Would you pray with me this morning? While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I can't help but reflect on what we've just been singing this morning. In the presence of Jehovah, Jehovah troubles vanished hearts are mended maybe you're here this morning and uh, you're facing (laughs) a lot of trouble maybe your week's been challenging maybe your heart's broken today and you just need to come before the Lord and come into his presence if you just say Pastor Jack I, I just need a special prayer for me today Just nobody looking around. This is just between you and the Lord. You just say, I need a special prayer for me and my family today. Would you just slip up your hands so we can pray together? Amen. Father, you see our hearts. You see our hands. God, how we want to be in your presence today. We we sense that we are in your presence, even in this moment. We know that if we're not in your presence, if we're just in this building and we're gathering and your spirit's not here, what has happened and what will happen until we leave is just going through the motions. So I pray that your spirit would be here today. I pray for these friends, Lord, who've just indicated by their raised hand that they need a special touch from you. Lord, I I know that you are aware of every situation and every need far better than I am. So I pray, God, that you would meet each person where they are. If they need comfort, that you would give them comfort. If they need peace, we know that you are the Prince of Peace. Lord, if they need strength, I pray that the strength of your Holy Spirit would be theirs in this moment and even today. Lord, if their heart's broken, you are the one that can mend the broken heart. So God, whatever the need, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just minister to us today. As we look at your word, I pray, God, that you would, God, I pray that you would speak, not that I would speak, but that your word would speak, and you would speak to us, to me, that we would leave this place different than when we came, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It is great to see you this morning. Love, 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 to hear you singing. Wow, thank you so much for ministering to my heart this morning already. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 1. If you were here last week, we had our mission report. Uh, we were going to look at John last week, but our mission report was so good, we never got into it, so it's kind of bumped our schedule a little bit. And uh, even as I was, I was studying this week, uh, the plan was uh, to do John chapter 1 one week and John chapter 2 the next week. I'm going to tell you that's probably not going to happen either. Because there's so much in this book, as there is in all of Scripture, to kind of hyperspeed through it. Uh, it's very difficult to do. So while you're turning there, uh, let me uh, also say if you're visiting with us today, we're especially glad that you're here. 
I'll make some announcements about what's going on in the life of our church at the end of our time together, but you should have gotten a little handout, and there's a QR code inside you can scan and let us know that you're here, or fill out the little slip in the front and hand that to one of our team before you leave today. We're glad that you're here. Thank you to our worship team for leading us in worship this morning, and uh, Steve for, uh, for singing. Uh, I do want to let you know, by the way, on the September 11th, uh, Robbie and Jenny McMakin will be with us that day, and he will be bringing God's Word. They've been doing a lot of ministry around the country, and, uh, and they're going to be in town. And so I'm looking forward to hearing what God's been doing in their ministry and in their life. So uh, mark your calendar for that. The Gospel of John. Some people would say that there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We know those first four books of the New Testament as the Gospels, written by different people, Different accounts, different perspectives on who Jesus was and what he did. But we also know there's not really four Gospels, there's only one Gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ, as revealed and as shared through four different people, four different personalities. The Gospel of John, uh, Bible scholars and historians teach us and tell us it probably was the last of the four uh, written, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, actually was written in view of what the other three people had said. It's kind of like John held out to write his testimony and eyewitness account till he heard from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then he said, okay, now I'm going to share what I think. And it's interesting, some of you know this to be true. Um, the previous Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, concentrate really on um, Jesus and uh, and his life and his ministry in Galilee, but John focuses his attention on what Jesus said and did in Jerusalem. So I imagine if we had something happen in Five Forks, Greer, Simpsonville, some situation happened, and there was a man on the street, and Fox Carolina went with a microphone to the crowd standing, you might get some similar accounts, but you might also get a different interpretation of what was seen. And that's why we have these... Uh, revelations, if you will, in God's Word to us about who Jesus is. It's interesting that uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke include some things, there's some similarities. They tell the same story from a different perspective. But John leaves some things out. Like, we won't find a record of the birth of Jesus in the book of John. We won't find a record of uh, Jesus' uh, baptism. We won't find Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Uh, We won't find him teaching the parables. We won't find anything about the Last Supper or the agony he faced in Gethsemane or even the ascension. Just some things that John chose not to talk about because uh, he wanted to focus on something else. uh, Matthew's perspective shows us that uh, Jesus came from Abraham And Matthew was really concerned that we know down through the ages that Jesus was the Messiah. While Mark, we know we went through the book of Mark together as a church a year or so ago. And Mark talked a lot about Jesus and him being from Nazareth. And he also talked about how Jesus was a servant. He came not to be served, but to serve. He became the least of of us. And then we get to Luke's account, and Luke talks about the lineage of Jesus. We get right from the very beginning of the book of Luke, the lineage of Jesus, that he was from Adam. And he talks about how Jesus was the perfect man and the only one that could bring redemption for mankind because he was perfect. Perfect. Then we look at John, and John gives us a little bit different perspective. John shows us that Jesus was from heaven. And because he was heaven, 
He was a God. He is God. The word synoptic you may have heard before uh, means seeing things together. The synoptic gospels, seeing things together. And the first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, present things in pretty much the same format. But then we get to John. And John focuses not just on what Jesus taught or what he did, but John focuses on who Jesus is. Now, back when I was a teenager, a long time ago, not as long as some of you don't chuckle, but a long time ago, and I was in high school, I think it was my junior or senior year, this huge fad came out, and everybody had these little bracelets that they put on that said WWJD. Anybody remember that? Some of you remember that. How many of you had one? How many of you still got one at home? You can sell that, make money for the building fund. Those are worth $2,000 each. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't know if any of those are left yet. What would Jesus do? WWJD. And I had a friend of mine, even at that time in my life, who was a mentor, who said, it's great to ask that question, what would Jesus do? But you'll never do what Jesus did till you know who Jesus is. And that's kind of the perspective of the book of John. He wants us to really understand who Jesus is, not just mimic or copy what he did, because then we just have people going through the actions and changing their behavior to try to match what Jesus did. But understanding who Jesus is, and when you understand who Jesus is, it really will get at the core of your heart and your life. It's interesting, John shows us a few things the other writers don't show us, and we'll eventually get through these as we go through this book over the next few months or few years. No, we're going to try to get through by Christmas. John shows us who Jesus is. He talks about the miracles of Jesus, the seven signs of Jesus. He also talks about, uh, you may have heard this, some of you if you've been in church for a while, the dramatic I am statements that Jesus made. John shows us who Jesus is by giving the testimony of what other people have to say. And so, uh, John has a specific reason that he wrote this book to us. And if you want to flip to the end of John, I'm going to give you... I know you're not supposed to do this, but I'm spoiler alert. I'm going to tell you why we are going to read and look at the whole book of John and tell you what he's trying to accomplish before we read the first verse, all right? Spoiler alert, John chapter 20. Verse 31, here is why John wrote this gospel for you and I. Here it is. So that these things have been written, John chapter 20, the last verse, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. That's why we're going to look at this book. And my hope for not just you, church family, but for myself, is that I will be reminded Why I am following Jesus. Not because of what he did, the miracles and the fancy stuff that drew the crowd, but I'm following Jesus because of who he is. He is God in the flesh revealed to us. Who was John? John's father was Zebedee. His mom was Salome. She was one of those first to get to the tomb early that morning when Jesus was resurrected and it was discovered that the body was gone. She was one of the first ones there. John's brother was James. Some of you will know that. He was a a partner. John was a partner in the fishing business with Peter. And John and his brother James were given the nickname Sons of Thunder. So he's a very interesting person. So let's see what he has to say to us in this very first 
a chapter of John. John chapter 1, here's what he says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We could preach sermons for 52 weeks and not even scratch the surface of that first. Don't worry, we're not. That's, there's a lot there. Let me read it again because sometimes I have to, uh, just because I'm one of the pastors, you may think he probably reads stuff pretty quickly. There's times I will read one verse of scripture and I'll have to read it about 500 times before I actually get into my brain to understand what the writer is saying. John is saying this, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There are a lot of facts just in those first few verses. Church family, Christian, fellow believer, disciple, if you're here this morning. There are a lot of facts in those first few verses that you need and I need to stand on foundationally as a child of God. So let's look at them. Here's the first one. The Word was in the beginning. The Word was in the beginning. The Word, Logos, that we'll talk about in just a minute, was in the beginning. And John says, in the beginning was the Word. He tells us right there, the Word was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And some people have asked, I've had young people ask, children, and teenagers, even adults, where did God come from? Great question. You can ask him that one day. He's always been. He was the pre-existent one. He has always been since the, actually even before the foundation of the world, when we went as a church family recently, I think it was earlier in the year, I believe, through the book of Genesis, even God, we, we pick up at Genesis chapter 1 with what we have written right here that says, in the beginning was creation, and we read the creation account. That's just the beginning that's recorded that we know. The real beginning of the beginning was way before that, at some point where God was, and God has always been. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was in the beginning. I know, I'm getting a headache already trying to comprehend that. I see some of you going, Poof. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's mind-blowing. That before the beginning, the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, which actually when you read that, Genesis chapter 1, 19, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. If you remember us looking at that, it's talking about the timeless eternity of the beginning. John essentially is saying here, when the beginning started, when the beginning began, the word was already at the beginning. And just to refresh your course really quick, if you've forgotten when we looked at Genesis, we know that in the beginning, Jesus was in the beginning. The Spirit of God was in the beginning. God was in the beginning. Because all three revelations of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, were involved in the creation of the world. Because we also remember, I think it's Genesis chapter 2, where God says, let us. Make man in his image. Let us. You say, is God schizophrenic? No, God is three in one. And so when John tries to make it clear here that the word is not just the beginning, it's the beginning of the beginning. I know, I know. Trust me, I've been trying to figure out how to explain this this week. 
This is why I did not do good in geology class, or geography, or geometry, any of those classes I didn't do well in. It's mind-blowing. But John is trying to make it clear that if you're wondering about the beginning, and you're wondering what was in the beginning, here's the first fact for you. The Word was in the beginning. The Word was in the beginning. Then he says this, if not to confuse you enough, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The word that's used there, the word, capital W-O-R-D, is logos. You may have heard that word before. And it's, it's a Greek word. It's the idea. It has its roots in Jewish and Greek culture. And it's interesting that John chose to write this in the first few uh, words of this chapter, in the first few words of his book, because uh, in the Old Testament times, the Jewish rabbis would oftentimes, when they referred to God, especially when they were talking about him more intimate and more personally, they wouldn't just say God, they would refer to God as the Word of God. It's interesting that John knew his heritage and knew the heritage of the Jewish culture. And so they would often speak of God himself as the word of God. For example, let me give you a quick example. You, you can turn there if you'd like. But in the book of Exodus chapter 19. If you remember that story where Moses is bringing the people out of the camp. And they're going to meet God. And in a lot of the Hebrew editions of the Old Testament. They record that differently than maybe what you have in your modern day translation. It says Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. But literally what the Hebrew translation says is Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with the word of God. Because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. It's interesting. He, he probably blew their minds because the Greek philosophers of that day would actually use that word logos to... Uh, for them, it meant kind of making sense of the world, bringing order to what they might say was a chaotic world. It was Logos that, bring, that would bring order out of chaos. It was Logos that was the powerful force that set the world in perfect order and kept it going. So John then, in this opening, comes out to say to them, both Jews and Greeks, for centuries you've been wondering, who is the foundational order? Where did it come from? I'm getting ready to tell you, it's Logos, the Word of God. It's amazing. Speaking to both of those cultures at the same time, just by that statement that sometimes we skim over because we don't understand who John is writing to and who he's trying to influence, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How can the Word be God, and yet also be with God? If the Word was God, you're right, Vicky. I know, it's mind-blowing. If the Word was God, but the Word was with God, then John is implying they're, they're actually the same, but they're also two separately distinct things. So he is setting up for us what a brilliant statement. He's setting up for us what is one of the most basic foundations of our faith, which is the Trinity. That God reveals himself in Father, God reveals himself in Son, God reveals himself in Holy Spirit. So the Word was with God, but the Word was God. It'd be funny if I kind of went over here to the Lowe's grocery store and said, Hey, I'm Jack. I'm with Jack. About, well, where is Jack? No, I, I'm Jack, but I'm with Jack. They would go, and I'm with 911. I'm calling you some help. <laughs> so what is he trying to say? He's trying to make sure we understand that Christ here in this passage 
is known as the Word. Which tells us then that this being God, if the Word was God and the Word was with God, then that God, that eternal God, the eternal Christ, the pre-existent Christ, you may have heard that term before, I don't know, means that Jesus was on the scene before the foundation of the world, before the creation of the world. God was there, Jesus was there, the Holy Spirit was there, which if you think about what Jesus had to do for us to earn our salvation, God, before the beginning, way back at the beginning of the beginning, knew what was going to happen through the course of the world and provided salvation for you way back at the beginning of the beginning. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. It's not that Jesus was born and realized the world was a sinful place, and then all of a sudden God said, okay, i got to come up with plan B. I guess I'm going to have to sacrifice my son to bring redemption for mankind. God Almighty knew about that before the foundation of the world. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. This being... That's John is describing here. He's plainly calling God the Word when he says the Word was God. But he's also saying the Word was with God. Christ, the preeminent one, was with God. Those are some facts we need to know. Because the world is going to challenge your faith if they haven't already. And challenge your theology. And at the same time that John is describing this, he's making us realize that this being of God, uh, that he's describing here does not really encompass all that God is. God is the Father, yes, but God is the Spirit. And so the Father and the Son are equally God, yet they're distinct in their functions. They're distinct in their person. The Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father, yet somehow they are equally God. And the Holy Spirit making them Three and one. I, I've had people try to explain this to me, and even a guy who's gotten seminary education, I, I still can't even make, I can't comprehend it. The brain is a little slow. I'm just a country boy from Roebuck, South Carolina, trying to put this stuff together. I mean, it's mind blowing. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three in one. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus said it this way, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Wait a minute, I thought you were distinctly different from the Father. Yes, he is different from the Father. But if you've seen him, then you've seen the Father. Because Jesus was a human, bone, flesh, revelation of God. Let that sink in. Almighty God, creator of everything, creator of the world, who was here before the beginning, who was at the beginning of the beginning, came down in flesh as the Word in flesh, skin and bones, to live among us. Amazing. And you'll have some people who will misquote this scripture, if you don't know that. And they will misquote it this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Within a few miles of this building where we are now seated, there are a group of people that are gathering together, or will sometime this week, who will be reading, and what they are reading is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. 
Some of you are looking at me with deer in headlights look. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's a cult. It's a group of people that follow what they call the New World Translation. The Jehovah's Witness. The ones that maybe knock on your door. And if they ever knock on your door, I want to encourage you, don't push them away. Invite them in. Give them a cup of coffee and a cup of tea. Say, come on in. If you need some tea, I've got some chambe from Malawi, Africa. I'll give you, and it's so good. Have them come in and have them sit down. And the one point where you can figure out everything that they say will sound really good until you say, do you believe Jesus Christ is God? Well, no, he was a, he was, he was a good teacher. It's important that we know that. Because there are all kinds of false religions as we studied when we just went through First and Second Timothy who are getting people's attention and scratching their ears and tickling their ears. And a lot of Christians, a lot of people who are trying to follow Jesus who are, unfortunately have not fed themselves and are shallow in their faith get lured away because it sounds really good. Richard Smith, our properties manager, sent me an email last night. See if I can quickly pull it up here. I'll just read it to you. Here's what it says. It's from me to Richard. Here's what it says. Oh, Richard, I would like to surprise some of our hardworking staff with gift cards today. By the way, I would really love to do that. And we do have hardworking staff. I really would. But I'm busy. Can you help with this? And this should be confidential. So they have all the cards as as a surprise. And you can keep one for yourself. Can you get this done for me now? He got this yesterday. Luckily, we have a very smart facilities, properties manager. Because he texted me and then he forwarded the email. And just said, check your email. That sounds a lot like you. Sounds like something you might do. Even the name on the email address says Jack Eason. But the email address is not your email address. It's a scam. It's a scam. And ladies and gentlemen, our world is full of scammers. As if we as church staff didn't have anything else to do but try to fend off scammers. That's happening. And the world is full of scammers. People saying, well, this is Jesus. Jesus would do this. Jesus, Jesus would want to make it feel good. You know, if you do this, it'll make, you're supposed to be feeling good about it. And things that totally contradict the Word of God, and yet a lot of God's people buy it hook, line, and sinker because we don't know this book right here. We don't know the Word, the Word of God. We don't know Jesus. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage me to get into this book. Because there is no other God. I'm just going to go on notice to tell you, there's only one God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not popular in 2022. We may have people picketing outside the glass doors. But as long as I'm one of the pastors here, that's how we're going to stand on the truth. There's one God, His name is Jesus. And that's who the world needs to know. Now, we can say it to them in a preachy way like I'm preaching to you, which I wouldn't recommend outside the walls of the church. Turn or burn. Fry or die. Those don't work. Get saved or microwave. None of those phrases work when you're trying to reach lost people. I grew up in the late 80s and 90s and we tried that and it was wrong. We pushed away tens of thousands of people. 
I believe if Jesus was here, that's not the way he would reveal himself. As a matter of fact, I know he wouldn't because he chose to come down in flesh and blood and bones and reveal himself and walk among us with compassion and love. And yes, conviction. And yes, challenges. And yes, stand on the word because he was the word. But we need to know that fact that the word was with God and the word was God. The word is not a God. The word is God. And that God is Jesus. You say, how do, how do we know that's what John is saying? Well, John goes on to say something else very interesting in verse 3. Here's what he says. All things came into being by him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Whew, that hurts. I'm getting a headache already trying to think through this. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. Where else, do we, where else do we hear that? Because I've heard that before. Have you heard that before? I've heard somebody say that before. Flip to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. One of Paul's letters to the church at Colossae. General Electric Power Company. That's how I remember the order of Paul's letters. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. General Electric Power Company. That's how I remember it. Colossians. Here's what Paul says. I'm a slow country boy. I've got to use anything I can to remember stuff. Colossians 1, here's what Paul says when he talks about the beginning. Wow. Paul must have taken some uh, input from John because here's what Paul says, Colossians 1.16. By him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all these things have been created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Who is the He He's talking about? He's talking about Jesus. All things were made through Him and by Him. Evidence, further evidence, that Jesus is God. He has always been. Genesis 1.1, it's recorded this way. God is said to have created all things. In this verse, Christ is now saying to have created all things. In this verse from Paul and Colossians and in what John is saying here. So if God created all things and Jesus created all things, it's further evidence that God and Jesus were both on the scene Long before in the beginning, and God and Jesus are, again, equal. All things are made through him and by him. But here's the, here's the next thing that John says to us, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. It's interesting. In him is life. And the word that he's using for life there is not just like biological life, but he's using a word that's like the principle of life. It's a Greek word that we get the word Zoe from. I was looking around to see if she was here this morning. Zoe means life. Not just life like, well, I was about to point at our plants, but they're not real. So but they look real, don't they? They look good. But it's not just life like that kind of life. It's not just 
biological life, he's saying there the life that he's talking about is the whole principle of life, the power of life, what sustains life, what gives birth to life, what keeps life going, what is the power source behind all of it. That's where life comes from. And so what he's saying is Jesus, the word, was life, is life. That power which creates life and maintains life. Not just not just, and this is what I've, I've been reminded of this week, not just a dispensary of life. I'm going to be honest with you, I always am. There's maybe sometimes I come to church, maybe you're like this, probably not, because you're more spiritual and holy than me. But there's sometimes I come to church, and almost, there's not anything necessarily wrong with this, but I come to church because I love to be among you, and I love to worship, and I love to get into God's Word, and I love for us to be together. As if this is a dispensary, it is to some degree, of life. And then when I go back out the door and I get into the normal routine, it's like I unplug from that life. What John is saying here is, you can't do that. He is life. As soon as you unplug from Him, you die. Because in Him is life. He's not just the source of life. He's not just the dispensary of life. He is life. Matter of fact, that's one of the I am's of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He is life. And that life, he says, is the light of men. He's not just speaking of illumination. He's speaking of spiritual light as well as natural light. Isn't it? It isn't that the Word, again, contains life and light, although we know that the Word of God does contain life. It does contain light. David the psalmist says, Thy Word I hide in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy Word is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my pathway. Yes, it contains it, but it is light. In other words, if I'm walking around in the world without the light and the life, I am walking in darkness. I can't function, not fruitfully or effectively as a believer. Therefore, what John is trying to imply here is if God was in the beginning and the Word was God, the Word was with God and Jesus was there in the beginning and in Him is the source of all these things, then without Jesus, I am dead. I am in darkness. I'm lost. I like to kind of do this sometimes with groups. I don't know that I've ever done this before but uh with our church family play the opposite game so if i said for example good you would say hello you guys bad okay good just making sure if i said uh up you would say left god i heard some people say the devil some people say satan Satan is not the opposite of God. God is all-powerful, omniscient, omnipresent. Satan is not the opposite of God. It's not that Satan is the bad guy with a pitchfork and he's the opposite of God and he's opposing God. That's not what the Bible teaches. God is the overcomer. Jesus Christ is the overcomer. It's in Him that there's light in life. 
And when we're plugged into that light in life, that's how we overcome. As a matter of fact, John goes on to say it this way. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That's not really a good translation for New American Standards is what I'm reading. That's not really a good translation. It literally says as if the darkness is chasing after the light, trying to overcome it and overtake it. And guess what? The darkness loses every single time because Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And in him is life and light. Man, that blows my mind. He, Christ, the Word, cannot lose against the darkness. When I was in Scouts, we used to go camping. And we would be out in the middle of nowhere and we would be in a tent and it would be pitch black. And sometimes it would be stormy and the moon would be even covered up and you couldn't even see this much in front of your face. And it would be dark. But there would still be a little bit of light shining from somewhere. It could be a star or something. The moon reflecting somewhere. And there still would be enough little light to see. And I told a friend of mine, I'm like, you know, somebody needs to invent. Because you have these things that like turn on light. Flashlight, you know. If you ever wanted to go to sleep and somebody just left the light on, and, and you might listen, it'd be great just like to have a little flash dark. Like you turn on the switch and everything goes dark. They don't make those. You know why they don't make those? Because it's impossible. Because as long as there is a spark of hint of any light, the light will put out the darkness in total. And what John is saying to us is the darkness cannot win. The Greek verb there is not really easy to translate, but again, it contains that idea of overtaking, overcoming, laying hold of something. So how do we get to know God? What is, what is the writer saying here? What is John trying to say to us? How do we get to know God? We get to know God by we get, getting to know Jesus. How do we know Jesus? We get to know Jesus by getting into the Word of God. Because this is Jesus, in a sense, written down for us. We get to know God by the power of the Holy Spirit that illuminates the Word of God, which the Word of God is revealed to us because it, He was the Word. So if we want to walk in this life, in this light that John is talking about, we have got to tune in and do like Moses kind of, uh, the translation I mentioned, the Hebrew translation there in Exodus, correctly says to the people, come out and meet with the Word of God. So here's my question for you. Here's my question for me. How often have you met with the Word of God this week? Friends, the devil, I'm just telling you, I'm no more spiritual than you. I, I face the same telemarketing calls, the same interruptions, the same things in my life that you do every day. And if I allow, and there's days that I do, I'm just being straight up. If I allow consistently day after day after day or Sunday to Sunday, my time in this book, to get with God, Creator God, Jesus, the Spirit of God, if I allow time to get away from me and I don't get into this, I will never have the full life and light of God that He wants for me. And neither will you. See, what John is trying to say here is, in Jesus is the life and the light, not in your pastor. I love getting together like this. I love it. I wouldn't trade it for any amount of money. I'm just being honest with you. I love this. I love fellowship. I love worship. I love it. It's great. But if you or I even 
stake everything that happens on Sunday morning during our time together in here to walk with God Monday through Saturday, you are going to crash and burn and so am I. God's word is the life and the light and the power source for you and I to live. Why? Not because Jesus was a God, because Jesus is God in the flesh revealed to us. And I don't know about you, but I want to get to know him more. The most important thing, I'm, I am, for some reason, just being more honest than maybe I should with you this morning, but, but, I'm, but that, that's me. Always am. There's a lot of priorities for me as one of the pastors of this church. There are a lot. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago when we were going through 2 Timothy talking about the role of a pastor. There are a lot of different priorities. If I neglect the priority of getting into this book, not only are we in trouble as a church family, which is secondary, to be honest with you, I'm in trouble as a child of God in my relationship to Jesus because I have set aside that as secondary when it should be primary. And here's the thing. The same thing is true of you, even though you're not a paid pastor. Young people, young married couples in this room, I love you. I used to be a young married couple. (laughs) How I wish I was again. Pray for me. I got back from Africa the day before I got back. Lynette left. She gets back today. I haven't seen her since August the 2nd. So, I'm ready to give her a hug when she gets back. But I remember those days of chasing kids and all that. So I sympathize. And when you get older, and some of us that are older than me, you could vouch for this too. It's different, it's different situations, different circumstances you get older. Still, still we have 86,400, what is it, minutes in a day, something like that. We still, we still have the same amount of time. You say, what's the point? Here's the point. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was... With God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with, with God. All things were made by Him and in Him. And through Him nothing was made that was made. In Him is the light and the life of all men. And if you and I as children of God want to walk in that life and light, there's only one way. It's not signing up for a disciple life class as great as that is. It's not singing the right number of songs. It's not praying the right number of prayer. The single formula. The world is going to try to convince you in the days ahead. Pastors are going to try to convince you in the days that are coming. Give this amount of money and you're safe. Do this. Do these three Hail, Hail Marys. Do this. Do this. Do that. All these lists of things that are going to connect you to the Spirit of God. There's only one Thing according to the scripture that you and I can do to connect with God and it's being in his word because the word was God I'm preaching to myself this morning if the week goes by and I look at my time schedule and I keep a time sheet personally for myself was trained to do that years ago from a mentor years go by and I do weeks go by and I look at my schedule and I have allocated 10 15 minutes to be with God and hours and hours to do whatever else be on my cell phone check Facebook play video games whatever whatever we grow where we put seed and where we don't plant seed and put fertilizer that stuff doesn't grow 
Can you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your word. If for nobody else today, thank you for the challenge that you've given me to get into this book. You are the word. You were there in the beginning. And God, you are life. You are light. You are the source that we need to plug into. Father, I pray that we would just confess that to you right now in this moment. Church family, I want to have a little different invitation today. And simply this. And I'm already standing at the altar because I need to be here. But if you'd say today right where you're seated. God, I need to make priority in the word a priority. I need to make being with you, the word of God, a priority. Then I want to ask you right there in your seat just to stand and confess that to the Lord and say, God, help me. Schedules are busy. Got kids, grandkids, job, this, that. Help me. Help me, God, to make this a priority, to spend time with you. That's you. I just want to invite you. Stand to your seat and just tell the Lord that's what you want to do. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to show you how to carve that priority out. You need to do business with the Lord. You just stand and tell him what's on your heart. Speak to him like a daddy because he is. And when you and the Lord are good and you've done business with him, feel free just to have a seat. As you're praying, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've been visiting. If you're visiting here today, we're so glad you're here. Maybe, maybe today God's speaking to your heart saying, you need to put your roots down here so you can be grounded in God's Word. I don't just say this because I'm one of the pastors of this church, but I would tell you, I don't know of a better place in this community where you could be with people who love each other and love God than where you are right now in this moment. So if you're here visiting and this morning you just like to say, I want to put my roots down here. I feel like this is a place I need to grow and help others grow and call home. In just a minute, we're going to stand and sing a closing song, an invitation hymn, and ask you to come down and respond and just let us know that if that's the desire of your heart. Maybe you don't know Jesus today. He is God. He's the creator of the world who revealed himself on this planet as as a man to give himself for your salvation and mine, to pay the debt for our sin. And this morning, if you just need to come down and confess that you're in need of a Savior today, you need Jesus, you need His grace, His mercy, then He stands ready to give that to you as a free gift. There's no way you can earn it. There's nothing you have to do to get it. 
You can't jump high enough, run fast enough. It's a free gift of grace from God Almighty. And this morning, if you want to receive that free gift, we'd be happy to pray with you this morning in just a second. Church family, I'm going to ask you if you would just quietly and reverently, if you would just stand to your feet. Joey's going to lead us here in just a moment in our closing song. And if you need to respond, my friends, I'm going to ask Heath and Corey to come down. We'd love to take you by the hand and pray with you, pray for you this morning. Lord, I pray you'd have your way during this invitation. We give it to you. Pray that you'd be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know how the Lord spoke unto your heart. My friends and I will be here at the front this morning ready to receive you. Any decision you need to make, of course, you can come down and pray at the front if you'd like to. And I just pray that you would be obedient to what God's laid on your heart to do this morning. Let's sing. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.